Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Get all technical now. Praise God. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. This is uh, the church in Philippi, which the Apostle Paul wrote unto the Philippians. Nah, just joking. Turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say, I'm looking on the board, Pastor. That's all right. That's why we got it there. And it reads, but my God shall supply some of your need. All. Okay. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm going to read it one more time. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Somebody say, I got everything I need. Somebody say, you got to even sound like you were convinced. Okay. I just read the scripture. God said he's given you everything that you need. Now, somebody say, I got everything I need. Yes, yes. Now, listen, Christians, you listen to me. You do have everything you need. Now, you may not believe it for some of you, but the scripture says that God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Now, because you got all your need, this is what I want you to say. I want you to say one more time. Say, I got all I need, but there's some things I want. Is there some things you guys want? All right, I need, I need about three honest Christians. I just need three. I just want to preach to three people today that they, there's some that they want. I got everything I need, but there's some things in my life, Pastor, that I want. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> you guys, there's a difference between a need and a want. I know you hear it all the time, but you know what a need means? Need means it's a requirement. It needs, I, I, a need is something that is required because it's essential or very important. Like I need air. Now, a want is a desire to possess or do something. It's a wish. I wish for something. There's a difference. A need you require, a want you desire. Bars. A need, you require it. A want is a desire. Now, when your desires supersede what's required, you become discontent and may lose your integrity to, to achieve your desires. So when, when you allow your wants to overrule what you need, then you will, I'm not saying might, you will definitely start chasing after what you want. Then you'll get discontent because you don't have it. And then you'll lose your integrity to achieve it. I'm here to tell you right now, some of you guys say, nah, I love the Lord. I would never lose my integrity. But I guarantee you, if somebody put down a million dollars cold cash in front of your face and asked you to do something that wasn't a big sin, but quite sin, you'd be questioning it. I don't have to give you an example, do I? I mean, if you even seen, if, you, if you're one of those people that never seen $10,000 cash, stacked up in front of you, and somebody says, look, I just need you to go tell that person 
that me and you are dating. Just nice. We're not dating, but just go tell them. Would you guys do it? Thank you. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. But do you realize you just lost your integrity? <laughs> I would never do it for 10. <laughs> Is it tax free? By the way my accountant works, I can't report it to them. <laughs> Listen, you guys, there's nothing wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting or desiring things. But if you want things so much that you're forgetting about all that you have or all that you, you already have and you need, then you've lost what you've needed. It sounds weird, but it's like I'm so focused on what I want that I don't realize that I have everything I need. See, the problem is with, with wanting more and more stuff is you'll begin to pursue your desires and abandon your pursuit for God. I'm telling you, Christians, I know a lot of you guys are in here saying, no, 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 I, I, I love the Lord. And I can understand that, but do you know that a lot of times we like to put in God in places that he really isn't? A lot of times we do things and we say, you know, this is for the Lord, but it's not. It's really for us. See, this is why in Matthew 6, it says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, wants and desires shall be added unto you. That's good news. So you're telling me all I need to do is seek after God. Chase after God. I ain't got to worry about anything else as long as I'm seeking God that things are going to be added to me, which means I'm going to be a want magnet. I mean, things that I wanted are just going to come and find me. It says added to you. When we abandon our pursuit for God, we find ourselves in a state of want. Now, right now we're in the state of California. Amen, if you guys didn't know. This is the state of California. But some of you guys are living in the state of, I mean, you're, you're in the state of California, but you're living in a state of want. You took up residency in want. And you're discontent. In Mark chapter 4 and 19, it says this, in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires, the wants, for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Do you guys, let me, let me break this down so you guys can understand something. Do you guys know what the word is? It's Jesus. The being was the word, and the word was with God, and the word became God. Jesus is the word. Now watch this. God says, I watch after my word to perform it. So if God's watching after his word to perform it, that means it's going to be fruitful. So when you have the word of God in you, which is Jesus, God's watching after that Jesus in you to make sure that it produces fruit. But if you're so busy wanting the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, the desires, the wants of other things, when you get so focused on that, it chokes the word out of you. It chokes the Jesus out of you, becoming unfruitful. Do you realize that, listen, there's no way that Jesus can be in you and not produce fruit. Because if that's the case, then God's a lie. Because God says, I watch after my word. What's God's word? Jesus Christ. 
He says, I watch after my word to perform it. So if the word is choked out of us, of course, it's going to be unfruitful. We're not going to sit here and say, well, I, I can care for the world, deceitfulness, and riches. It choked the word out of me, becoming unfruitful. Do you guys realize if there's no fruit, then there's no word? And it's so easy for a lot of us to sit down and, and, and start chasing after other things. Well, my wife's saying to, today, I'm chasing after you. you. You hear that? I'm chasing after you. No matter what I'm going through. Because I need you more and more. More and more. More and more. Yes, more and more. So watch this, because a lot of times we're, we're, we're thinking, you guys, this is the crazy part about this. A lot of times you guys are hearing me, and I'm talking about desires, and you're thinking of desire. I have a desire for something, and I, I, I want something. And as I'm, you know, you're thinking about desires or something that's probably sinful, because it's got to be sinful to, in order to choke the Jesus out of me. It's got to be sinful. Well, just real quick, you know, God is not a vampire and our, our Superman in sin is kryptonite. You guys understand that? We got this all mixed up. It's like, well, the Lord can't be around sin because when sin comes around, God can't be around sin. No, sin can't be around God. It's the other way around. The Bible says that the light shineth and the dark comprehendeth it not, which means when the light shines, the darkness flees. So when you have Jesus on the inside, you don't have to worry about any darkness. But when you allow darkness on the inside and you start worrying about things that are irrelevant and not, not critical for your relationship with Jesus, all of a sudden those wants, that pursuit for the wants and the desires of other things begins to choke Jesus out of you. You're not hurting Jesus. You're just choking him out of you. You're not leaving any room for him in your life. And he don't like sharing. Not, he ain't going to share you with anybody. He wants to take residence in your house. He don't want roommates. So we go to once, and a lot of us think that once are sins, but they're not sins. Here goes some once. Watch this. These are some once, some desires, and things. If this is you, just say amen. I want a house. I want a car. I want to be rich. I want to be rich. I want to be debt-free. I want to be healthy. I want to be married. I want to stay married. That was a test. Listen, while there's nothing wrong with desiring these things, it's, it becomes a problem when you're focused, in the, when they become the focus of your life, in the center of your life. There's nothing wrong with being debt-free. There's nothing wrong with wanting a house. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be rich, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be married or staying married. There's nothing wrong with those things. It's when they become the center of your life, you begin to, begin to pursue those things, and you ab abandon your pursuit for God. You guys understand me? You're with me. Because the Bible said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first. The kingdom of heaven. Do you realize if you follow all of God's principles as you're finding and, and searching after him, that guess what? You'll become debt free. Because you guys know that in the Bible it tells you that when you're a borrower, you become a slave to the lender. How many people in here are slaves to Visa? 
You don't raise your hand. Yes, I belong to uh, <laughs> Sears and Roebuck. Yes, my master is MasterCard. That's why they call it MasterCard. I got spiritual on there. You guys didn't realize that, did you? The scripture tells us that it chokes the word out, becoming unfruitful. In other words, not only don't you have what you want when you're seeking after your wants, you keep seeking after you never get it. Not only do you not have what you want, you'll no longer have what you need. So now you're in a state of want and you're without what you need. Watch this. Judah, my youngest son, he wanted to have fun at a swim party. He can't swim. He had a life jacket. But he didn't want to wear his life jacket. Well, he needed a life jacket. But he's seen all the kids playing in the pool, so what does Judah do? He takes off and runs, jumps out in the pool. Deep side. Now, what he needed at that time was air. What he wanted was to have fun. Well, at that time, he wasn't having fun, so he didn't get what he wanted, and he wasn't getting what he needed. Do you understand the analogy? There's so many times that we're chasing so much after what we want that we neglect what we need, and we end up not having both. And if nobody was there to save him, because Kaya had to jump in with her clothes on and pull him out the pool. But if somebody wasn't there to grab him and save her, save him, he would have drowned and died. How many of us right now want something so bad that we've neglected what we need? And what we need is, watch this, is Jesus in our life. And we're dying, trying to have fun and can't swim. What we need is love. What we need is joy. What we need is peace and long-suffering. What we need is kindness and goodness. What we need is faithfulness. What we need is gentleness and self-control. That's what we need. And these are all the fruits of the Spirit. This is what we need. This is what's supplied to us through the Spirit of God by Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 1 and 3 says this. His divine power has given to some of us things that pertain to life and godliness. All of us? His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. Now that word knowledge, I need you to understand something. That word knowledge doesn't mean to have a knowledge of, like, yeah, I know who that is. No, it means having a, a, a real relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. When you have a real relevant relationship with Jesus Christ, then guess what? He's going to make sure you have everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. See, so many of us have one thing that ain't got nothing to do with being godly. A lot of us are like, man, I want to be rich, man. You want to be rich for yourself. Not to, to build up God's kingdom. Now, 
question is this. How do we make Jesus our desire? How do we make Jesus not just something we need, but something we want? For instance, I'm getting up in age. I don't like vegetables. I need vegetables. What I like to do is eat things that eat vegetables. You eat enough meat, then you get enough vegetables. You see how that works? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. You can skip eating vegetables by eating plenty of meat. Cows eat grass. Yes, hallelujah. I don't know what chickens eat, but something from off the ground. So I eat chicken. But I realize I need vegetables. But I don't want vegetables. But I need vegetables to live healthy. If I want to be healthy, I need, I need vegetables. How can I start wanting vegetables? How can I start to develop a desire, a want for what I need? Sit down, and if you guys don't know, my sister, good sister in the Lord, um, fellow Israelite. Why do I call it Israelite? Because we Israelite. You'll get it later. So Nadia and I always argue about this because Nadia is a vegan and I am a carnivore. So we have these deep talks and she keeps saying, she's like, look, pastor, you need to start eating vegetables. Matter of fact, you need to switch over to a plant-based diet. Okay. Watch this, though. This is what she says to me. She says, you got to start eating vegetables to develop a taste for them. You have to start eating. You have to just start doing it. And once you start doing it, your palate will change. Now that you was preaching, you didn't even understand it. So we begin to ask, how do we develop a desire for what we need? I'm glad you guys asked that. That, that was a good question. We have to dig deeply and be diligent. That's the title of today's message, by the way. But don't be fooled. The statement I just made isn't just the title, but it's also a principle to live by when it comes to serving Jesus. This statement also implies work. Somebody say work. Yes, work. That's a dirty little four-letter word that we're all offended by, especially when we hear it when it's concerning our salvation. Nobody wants to hear about work. They just want to hear about grace. Philippians 2 and 12 says this, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It takes work. Salvation is free, but it, to, to keep it, you got to work. You guys know when the Bible says, if you don't work, who wants to preach? You guys are, if you don't work, you don't eat. Now, I know that, that that means natural food, but it also means spiritually. You know, people are looking at me, and I'm like, 
Well, I wonder why Jesus said this. I am the bread of life. Don't you eat bread? He said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Are we not eating it? Doesn't the Bible say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good? See, there's got to be some type of consuming. But if we don't work, you got to work to get that word in you. Nobody's going to come up and spoon feed you. you got to get that word in you. Now, I think all of us in here, especially this week, all like today dream about hitting, hitting it big in the lottery. Y'all, y'all didn't laugh because I know y'all play. How much was it, 340-something million dollars? Y'all didn't know that? It's almost a sin if you didn't play. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm like, well, I need one of y'all to win. I mean, <laughs> if the tide check out, that's going to be, wow, woo, Jesus. We'll have a Sunday. We'll just be dancing. It ain't, it ain't even no preaching, just dancing. <laughs> you, man, God just bless you, brother. Praise God. A million spell with two L's. So all of us are dreaming about hitting it big. I know there's nothing wrong with it. Everybody wants to break the bank at the bingo hall. If you're going to Cash Creek and not expecting to win, what are you going for? What they say? By faith? Oh, the buffet. You still expecting. You invested a little and got a lot, right? I'm, I'm coming away big. I'm coming away fat. If, if my pockets ain't fat, my stomach is. Same concept. Put a little in, get a lot out. Okay. Now, I just want to tell you guys, the chances that you're going to hit it big is slim to none. Honestly. You see that they, they, they even post what it is. It's like uh, a million to one that you'll even win anything. It, you, you, most, of the, most of the time, you're not going to hit it big, you guys. It just doesn't happen. I just want to do me a favor. Look at, your, look at your neighbor and say, your name isn't Aladdin. <laughs> you guys know the story of Aladdin? It's an old fairy tale. You guys know about Aladdin. It's a poor boy. You know, and his daddy dies, you know, and there's a magician, magician that claims to be his uncle. And he's like, hey, look, I need this, this thing from out of this cave. I need you to go in there and get it. He goes in there and gets it, but he realized the magician guy's a bad guy, so he doesn't want to give up the little lamp that he finds. And the magician gets upset, locks him away in jail. During this time, he goes, Aladdin wants to shine up the lamp, and then poof, out comes a genie. You guys know the story, right? You ain't never had a friend, never had a friend. Never had a friend, never had a friend. Okay, you guys don't, don't have kids, obviously. Or you've been abusing them if you didn't let them see Aladdin. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yes. You better go watch it. Netflix, today after church. So all this happens, but listen, everybody. A genie is not going to appear suddenly and give you everything you want. It doesn't work that way. If we want something, we're going to have to work for it. If our hopes and dreams are ever to be realized, we have to put forth an effort to bring them to pass. Somebody say work. 
Yeah, but I'm afraid that many have gotten their priorities confused. Too much time is spent worrying about things, and we lose sight of what truly matters. We seek gold while dismissing God. We seek health while neglecting holiness. We seek the latest fashions while we ignore the robes of righteousness that the Lord has given us. And many people, many people wonder why they can't seem to find happiness, why they keep ignoring God. You guys ever been in a place where you've been such a state of want and you're trying to figure out why you're never happy? One of the things I hear as a pastor is all the time I hear people say, I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy in my job. I'm just not happy at my school. I'm just not happy in my marriage. I'm just not happy. I want to be happy. Well, if you want to be happy, go to Disneyland. But if you want to be content, <laughs> you better start digging deeply. Somebody say dig deep. Luke 6 and 48. This is Jesus talking. He said, he is like a man building a house who dug deep. Say somebody say dig deep. And he laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. When you're flooded with the cares of this world and you're discontent because you don't seem to get what you want, this is when most people fall off and get out and fall out of church. This is what happens. People stop coming to church because they're not getting what they want. This is how you can tell. People fall off because their prayer life is almost completely gone. Their commitment to serving, it waves. It goes up and down and up and down. Church attendance slows down. Why? Because they didn't dig deep enough. Now, I need you to understand when you start looking at this scripture, so many people talking about, man, my house is founded on the rock of Jesus Christ. It's founded on the rock of Jesus Christ. Well, let me ask you something, saints, because I know all of you in here love the Lord, and I know everybody in here has started building their house upon the rock. Well, first, when you look at the scripture, you notice it says, it's a man building a house. Some of us have a problem because we stop building. It doesn't say a man that built a house. He said a man that's building a house. What does that mean? We should continue to keep growing. Because the point we stop building our house is the point that that foundation starts to slip. Here's the other thing I need you to see. I need you to point this, point this out. It says dug deep. Somebody say dig deep. We have to dig inside of the rock just because you lay something on top of it. These are things right now on top of this table. But if I do like this, it'll knock it out the table because it's not actually a part of the table. It's sitting on the table, but it's not a part of the table. Now, the tabletop's a part of the table, and if I move it, the tabletop will stay on it. Why? Because the tabletop is attached. This is why he said he dug deep. Because he dug deep, because he laid the foundation. When he's a part of the foundation, not just on the foundation. Do you know why so many of us keep getting get hit with troubles and cares? Because we're not getting the things that we want, and then we begin to fall off when we don't do the things we used to do for Jesus? It's because we didn't dig deep. God doesn't just want us on the rock. He wants us in the rock. And if you're in the rock, then you can do what John 15, 7 says. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you desire. 
You can ask what you want. You can ask for things, and it shall be done for you. But that's only if you abide in God and he abides in you. That's only if you dig deep. When you dig deep into God's word, not just by reading and studying, but by serving, by being generous, tithing, and fellowshipping with the saints, you will begin to see God has already supplied your need. And seeing that he supplied all your needs, and all your needs are met, guess what? Your wants begin to dissolve away. Kai and I, before we even started the ministry, we, we have land in Virginia. We got 25 acres. My father bought it, and it was his, his grandfather's land, and, and he passed it on to the family. Kai and I, this was, this was our desire. We had planned it out, everything. What we were going to do is save some money. We're going to go build a house out there because it's dirt cheap. We're going to retire early because it's out in the country. It, country, like dirt, there's not even roads. It's gravel to get out to this place. Number Woods, we're going to build a big house. We're going to live out there, raise kids. That was our want. That was our desire. But then as things began to move on and I began to pursue God and I began to pursue the calling of God on my life, all of a sudden I noticed that I didn't want that anymore. I didn't have to go, but God, I want it. I didn't. I just started chasing after God. And as I began to chase after God, my wants began to change. No longer did I want to move away. Now I said, God, I want to know you more. My desire is to get to know God more so that I can share them with you so you can get to know God more. And guess what? God is giving me the desires of my heart. Because I'm digging deeply into his word. I'm digging deeply in serving. I'm digging deeply in seeking after his face and not just his hand. If you guys don't know the difference, seeking his face is where he's revealed. Seeking his face is where we know who he is. Seeking his face is being intimate so he can speak to us mouth to mouth the same way he did Moses. Seeking his face knows I know what he looks like and I know the character of God. But seeking his hand just means, God, can you give it to me? God, I want this. God, can you bless me? Bless me, bless me. Anoint me, God. But do you realize if you seek his face, you'll always find his hand? Praise God. You guys know you guys know David is, right? King David. Do you realize everybody knows it? Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, when I was young in the Lord, I, I read the scripture and I was like trying to figure out why would David not want the Lord as his shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I mean, in my terms, like, I don't want God to be my shepherd. But then I began to realize that's not what David was saying. If you go, if you, if you stop there, it kind of looks that way. But if you read the rest of it, he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I will never be in a state of want. Why? Because he leadeth me beside, beside the still waters. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. He understood that if the Lord is my shepherd, he's going to take care of me. If the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need to worry about nothing. If the Lord is my shepherd, he will lead me to where I can feed and where I can eat and where I can drink. He said, the Lord, Jesus is my shepherd. I'll never be in the state of want because he's given me everything that I need. See, David was diligent about seeking God. And that's why he was known for this. He was known for being a man after God's own heart. Listen up, people. Men are known for what they pursue. Men are known for what they pursue, not what they do. How do I know? David was a king. David was a warrior. 
David was a champion. David was the seventh son of Jesse. David was a little shepherd boy. But after all these things that David was, the Bible states that he was a man known to be in hot pursuit after God's own heart. He was known for what he chases after. There's people that have do all kinds of work. There's people are known, known for doing, there's doctors and lawyers that do all kinds of work. But when you could tell that their heart is after Jesus, they'll be known as a man that's after God's own heart that happens to be a doctor. <laughs> so my question to you guys is today, what are you known for? What do people know you for? Are you known as the funny guy at school? Are you known as the young man that loves the Lord? Are you known as the pretty girl around the workplace? Are you known as a holy woman that loves Jesus? What are you known for? Luke 12 and 34 says this. Wherever your treasure is, there are the desires. There's the wants of your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure's at, whatever is valuable to you is where your heart is. See, listen, Jesus is what we all need, but is Jesus what we all want? Now, as I bring this to a close, Psalm 16 and 8 says this, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Now, looking at it, it sounds like I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in pecking order here. So I put God first and then me. So God's going to go before me. So wherever I go, God's leading me there. But no, that's not what it means. He says, listen, I put the Lord always before me. You know what that means? Whatever I do, I'm going to do it for the Lord first. When I get paid, the Lord first. When I wake up in the morning, the Lord first. When I want to go out and do something, the Lord first. You know why we go to church on Sunday? The Lord first. First day of the week. First fruits. I put the Lord before me. I'll put what God wants before what I want. And then I love this because... He put the Lord first. It says that he, the Lord, is at my right hand, which means he now has the authority. The right hand represents authority. When you put God first in your life, you have the authority of Christ in your life. You have that kind of uh, power and authority to call those things that are not as though they were. You have that kind of authority to cast out demons and heal the sick and, that, and, let, and let the sight to the blind recover. When you have that, when God inside of you, when you put him first, you can call those things that are not as though they were. But only when you put him first. The next and last thing you guys say, be diligent. Yeah, they're not in Saga. Be diligent. Say it. Be diligent. Now, first of all, I need you to realize what diligent means. Diligent means hardworking, meticulous, rigorous, and thorough. Diligent, hardworking, meticulous, rigorous, and thorough. That's why in Hebrews 11:6 it says this, God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. 
not half-heartedly, not only on Sundays, not only at Bible study, but diligently. God is a rewarder of those that are hardworking, meticulous, rigorous, and thorough in seeking him. Funny part about that is, is we want everything handed to us. But if you don't work, you can't eat the word. Now, when we diligently seek the Lord, when we long for his presence, then we'll see he is beginning to change us. The things that used to matter to us lose their power over us. The troubles that used to unravel us are put into his divine perspective, and we learn that nothing happens apart from his knowledge. One of the most commonly experienced emotions that we all have is loneliness in the midst of trouble. Have you ever been in a lot of trouble and just felt alone? Nobody understands me. I can't tell people this because they'll judge me. Then all of a sudden you feel alone. And then sometimes we even begin to think that God has forsaken us. And if you really look at us because what you want isn't happening. God, I, I want to do good in school. God, I don't want to be in debt. I want to be debt free. God, I want to be married. God, I want to stay married. God, I want my kids to do right. But when things ain't working out the way you want, then all of a sudden we feel alone and we, our emotions get the best of us. And that's funny because if you look in the book of Psalms, you guys realize that everything we go through is in the Bible. You just got to diligently seek and find it. The writer of Psalms in, 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 in 77, the 77th Psalm, he experienced the same type of emotions. Listen to what he said. He said, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night. I stretched out my untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remember you, God, and I groaned. I meditate, my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing, which means he was up all night. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my song in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never show me his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? Do you guys hear the anguish in this man's voice? In his writing, we see that he was in trouble. He felt alone. He felt like God had left him. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been there before. There's been times I've been following God, and I'm like, wow, God, it's, what, what did I do wrong? Where, where did I leave you at? What happened to me? Have you forsaken me? But watch this. There was something that this man wanted, and he was beginning to wonder if God had forgotten about him. He thought maybe God's promises had failed, and at times, we feel some of the same anguish as well. But then he began to remember what God had done. He began to dig deep. Verse 10, he said this, Then I thought, to this will I appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all thy works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is uh, great is our God. 
You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among your people. What a beautiful turn of events. He went from being lost to digging deep and remembering how good God was to him in the past. And he says, I choose not to dwell on what's happening now. I choose not to dwell on what I want and don't have. I'm going to dwell on when God supplied all my need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. A couple nights ago, I woke up 2 in the morning. For those of you who know, I have a heart condition. And I woke up and I just, I just couldn't breathe. I, couldn't, I didn't feel right. And I, I looked at my monitor, and I noticed my heart rate was shooting up to 112. Then it would drop down to 58. Then it would shoot up to 120. Then it would drop down to about 40. So I knew, working in the medical field, my heart's failing. I'm going into arrhythmias. It can't keep up. Waiting for my defibrillator to shock me. I'm doing all that. I wake up, Kaya. Kaya, get up. You got to take me to the hospital. And I'm, I'm starting to think right at that moment, this is it. I'm not going to make it to the heart transplant. I'm done. I walk in the room. Kai's getting dressed. I walked in to Judah's room. I kissed his face, and it woke him up. He said, Dad, where are you going? I said, nowhere, son. I love you. Remember that. So I go into Heaven's room, and she's asleep, and I kiss her face, and I whisper over and speak life over, and I'm walking out knowing that this is probably my last time I'm going to see my kid. So we go downstairs, and Kai gets in the car, and all I can begin to think of is how my wife's going to live without me. And what if I die right here in the car she's driving? And what are my kids going to do without me? And what is the church going to be without me? And all these thoughts started going over my head, and all of a sudden, it, it began to consume me. But then I started thinking, wait a minute. God, you didn't give me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God, you told me that you called me from, you knew me from out of my mother's womb and that you, to give me an expected end, a good end. I said, God, you said that I shall live and not die. God, you spoke life over me, and I began to just begin to speak the words of God over my life as I'm sitting in the car, and, and, and all of a sudden, listen, I began to get peace in my life because I wasn't dwelling on what I wanted because what I wanted at that point was my heart to be fixed. I wanted to live. But it wasn't happening. So I sit there and I'm like, it's all right, God. I trust you. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. If it's your will that you take me now, God, I know you took care of me. You're going to take care of my wife. You're going to take care of my children. <laughs> Heart's still going crazy. He didn't fix the problem. He fixed me. He gave me a divine perspective of what was going on. But praise God, we got to the hospital, and I'm looking at my wife, and I didn't know what was going on in her head. She was just looking at me. And then as I started to calm down, they found out what was wrong with me and told me some things I needed to do, like, you need to eat your vegetables. Dang it, Nadia. But that's the truth. I didn't focus on what I wanted and didn't get. I focused on what I had. And what I had is Jesus Christ on the inside. 
I wasn't going to allow the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches to begin to choke the word out of me, becoming unfruitful. I said, God, you died that I could have peace, and I'm going to fight for this peace. And I began to just speak his word over my life. I started digging deep, and I started being diligent. Because when you dig deep and you're diligent, it, it, it changes things around you. But most of all, it changes your heart's desire. Digging deep and being diligent will make Jesus the center of your life. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.